Welcome to episode number 118 of the Active Geek Podcast, where Chuck and I are discussing Ernest Klein's pop culture handbook novel, Ready Player One, as we prepare for the release of Ready Player One, directed by Steven Spielberg, on March 29th, 2018. This was a lot of fun this episode. We talk about the book, we talk Ernest Klein, we talk Spielberg, we give our top five Spielberg movies. I goof around a bit. Laughs are had. It's a fun episode. Give it a listen. Let us know what you think. So without any further ado, this is episode number 118 of the Active Geek Podcast entitled Ready Player One. Wait no longer, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast with Jim and Chuck. And Chuck, today, we have a very special episode. But before we get into our special episode, we are going to talk about some topical things that are happening. There's a few things that happened this week. Just a few. You know, yeah. you know nothing nothing political. We, we stay no. away from that. This is not the Active Politician Podcast. <laughs> but in geek news, uh, Krypton debuted. You know, we yes, had it did. Two episodes ago, episode number 116, we talked about Krypton. Uh, great episode in my mind. I think it was fantastic, uh, mainly because I was attached to it, and I think everything's fantastic that I'm attached to. <laughs> However, it premiered. What were your thoughts on it? I really liked it. The ending was phenomenal, but the whole lead up to it, the production was done really, really well. I was really surprised. It did not seem like a um, sci-fi show. No. Well, it, again, like sci-fi is really changing their tune. It's it's crazy, and you know, I know the Lady Archer on the last Legends episode, said that we swayed her mind. Yeah. Um, I got a tweet from a podcast that I can't remember, and I'm sorry, um, that said, you know, I wish I had the sci-fi channel. They weren't they weren't from America, but they wish they had the sci-fi channel, and they're going to try and uh, get it on the black market. It, it was done really well. I liked everything about it, yeah. honestly. The Adam Strange aspect, I didn't think I was going to like, but I did. I thought it was cool. Uh, they name-dropped Superman very quickly. Yeah. Like uh, four minutes into it. It was all right, though. I get it. But the Brainiac ship? Yeah. Oh. Like, it looked like something out of uh, Injustice, too. Yeah, I mean, they were perfect with the Brainiac casting and the look, and they really made him badass and scary. He looks like the Eater of Worlds. He doesn't look like Doomsday, like it was a rejected Ninja Turtle. Yeah. He looks like he's truly the Eater of Worlds. The thing that I can only nitpick a little bit, but the way my DVR recorded it, it was like Brainiac revealed and went right into like a featurette. Did yours get that? No, I didn't DVR. I, okay. Because I forgot to uh, DVR this first episode. So I watched it on demand. Okay. So mine went from Krypton, no credits, to like a featurette of making Superman. And I was so confused. I'm like, <laughs> what if I, what happened? Because I, at first I didn't think I download, I, um, I DVR'd it because it wasn't on my, my scheduled or my recorder. It was like, like making of the cape or something i was like oh what is this i played it for 30 minutes and watched it like this is not krypton (laughs) and then i played that actual episode so it was amazing i love krypton never thought i'd say it (laughs) so i'm i'm very happy it's taking a lot of the a lot of it takes place in um candor yeah because that's cool that's really cool other news we got the deadpool 2 trailer yes um another deadpool 2 trailer what do you think about that i liked it Showed a lot more characters. Like Terry Crews as GW Bridge. 
See, I I seen Terry Crews in the first one. Yeah, I you know I saw him standing on the the ship, not yeah. the ship, the plane when the bottom goes out, and you could tell it was Terry Crews. But a lot of people were like, "That's not Terry Crews. It's Terry Crews." And I'm so glad he's in this, and he's such an obscure character, George Washington Bridge. Mm-hmm. I love that. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, he don't... he was in there for a, a cup of coffee. Never was dropped as a casting on there. He's still not on IMDb. I know. And he, I've listened to podcasts. Uh, he was on uh, Nerdist, which is now ID10T. He was on a lot of other podcasts, and he never talked about this casting. So super surprise casting. Member is, of the X-Force. It's the first time that Deadpool actually mentioned X-Force. Yeah, and it was a joke, too. Like yeah. It was crazy. And he's wearing like the cheerleader X-Men shirt. Mm-hmm. You see that, like the halter top? One of the best parts is when he's doing wheelies in uh, Professor X's yeah, wheelchair. The, and he's got uh, cerebrum, uh, cerebrum on his head. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I don't know how this is not resonating with fans. You know, it said that like there was rumors that it was uh, the viewing was pretty... Received poorly. Yes, thank you. Um, so they went back and did reshoots and added more of Zazie Beats as Domino and Josh Brolin on his cable, which it makes it look like Cable's the bad guy. We haven't seen Black uh, Black Tom Cassidy. No, we haven't. Which is which is fine. I'm glad they, they're doing that and they're introducing your heroes. Zazie Beats looks great. Uh, we see Shatterstar in the back of mm-hmm. um, the X Jet, and um, we do see Colossus again. Yeah, we see his butt. We see a lot of his butt. <laughs> I'm excited for this. Um, yeah. We're gonna do an episode on it in April, uh, which you know you and I are big Deadpool fans. We're uh, obviously excited for this, and um, it just I want to know who Bill Skarsgård is. Yeah, but I guess we're gonna have to wait till the movie comes out. The last thing, Chuck, I want to talk about before we get into our, our episode, and I'm, I'm leading it up like it's a surprise on what we're talking about, um, <laughs> which it truly isn't. You know, obviously, if you have iTunes, Google Play, anything uh, that you can stream a podcast on, it says we're talking about Ready Player One. But I want to talk about Toys R Us. Okay. Um, I feel like we're geeks. Yeah. We, we've done an episode on toys and geek stuff and everything like that. It's closing. Yeah. It's going for bankruptcy. and uh, It's the last of the big toy stores. Yeah, KB's gone. Kitty City. Yeah, oh God, Kitty when City. When I was a kid, KB, and then um, Toys R Us. So what do you think? Like, How does that make you feel as like a child who grew up in the Toys R Us? You were a Toys R Us kid. Like, oh, that yeah. Was their, that was their slogan. Before you can go in and buy Legos, it was like Jeffrey the Giraffe. I'm a Toys R Us kid. I'll always be a Toys R Us Because kid. it was before online. Yep, it was before Walmart. And there wasn't many Walmarts or Targets around. It was way before Walmart. Yeah. I mean, Walmart's what, a 90s company? Toys R Us came out in the 80s? I don't know. I mean, around here, we didn't get... Even into the early 2000s, the only... There was one Walmart really in the area. Yeah, you're right. To me, I've always loved Toys R Us, but I've always hated Toys R Us. Because they were expensive. They were very expensive. And I don't... I cannot believe... Like, going to Toys R Us was, like, the moment for me when I was a kid. Like, it wasn't... It, was a, it wasn't every day I went to Toys R Us because... It was a prize. Yeah, exactly. Like, you got an A on all your classes in your report card. You can go to Toys R Us and pick out a toy. And it's not a... Like, Toys R Us had no competition, really. Kitty no. City had already gone out of business. And then Walmart was kind of coming in. Amazon, Jeff Bezos wasn't doing Amazon. And if he was, it was in, like a, it was in a studio like we have right now on a card table. But when Toys R Us was around, I loved to just go in there and look. I remember getting the catalogs and like yeah. the Jeffrey Giraffe stickers. And I think I had a birthday there or I went to a birthday and there. And even to... Up to last year, the little one. Yeah. That's the tradition. The Toys R Us book came, and you open it up at Christmas time, and you circle what you want. Yeah, and the problem, like, I'm 31 years old now, and I can't afford, like, I can't go in there and say I can rightfully spend this amount of money on the toys that I want. Oh, yeah, no. They're like, very expensive. Like, especially, like, the Marvel Legends, like, the, the Black Panther helmet that's coming out, the Iron Man helmet, 
the Infinity Gauntlet that's out there, like $100, $150, and I'm, I can't spend that on a toy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I understand wholeheartedly why they're going out of business because it's a corporation, and corporations are extremely selfish. And, I mean, I read an article that the the head person at um, Toys R Us went and got a $13 million buyout. So it, it kind of blows my mind that, you know, you can't keep your store open. Yeah. But it is what it is. We're moving on from sadness and Toys R Us closing because there will be something else. And uh, we are going to move into the world of Ready Player One. Yeah. But Chuck, our episode begins on March 29th, 1972 in Ashland, Ohio, when the world first met Ernest Christie Klein. Ernest Klein is a novelist, screenwriter, artist, and poet, and the creator of today's topic. Besides being a spoken word poet and 1998 and 2001 Austin Poetry Slam champion, he's well known for Ready Player One. Yeah. But besides that, his his poems uh, that you know made him a slam poet and champion uh, were Dance Monkeys Dance when I was a kid and Nerd, nerd Porn Atour. All tour on all tour maybe. <laughs> Um, but Klein is the brain behind the script that was turned into the film called Fanboys. Did you ever see Fanboys? Yeah, I did. With, did uh, Dan Fogel, who I love, and Jay Burchow, Kristen. I think that was like Kristen Bell's like jump into. I actually like that movie a lot. Yeah, and it's a Star Wars parody, essentially. Kind of right. It's like if you and I made a movie yeah. about. Um, you know who wrote the screenplay of it? Uh, not Zach Penn. Who? Adam Goldberg. That's right. Um, from from the Goldbergs. From the Goldbergs. It was a Weinstein production, yeah. and uh, you know it's pretty hard to come back from a Weinstein production, but it, it worked. So good job for Ernest Klein. Uh, but his most notable work is the novel that involves 80s and 90s pop culture references, virtual reality, and Easter egg hunt that awards you billions of dollars and control of— Half a trillion. Yeah, and control of a virtual world known as the Oasis. And Chuck, with, uh, with Easter right around the corner, this will be the first ep- the last episode before Easter. Yeah. What better way than to go on to our Easter egg hunt, <laughs> our own Easter egg hunt, as we search for our true opinions and thoughts and all the fun things of Ready Player One. Now, I'm recording this for a reason, because I'm about to enter the Oasis, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. Get ready for it. Ready? I got to take my glasses oh, and geez. my headphones what off. What the hell's going Are on? Are you ready for this? It's going to be loud. Oh, are you fucking kidding me? I'm going to do this the whole episode. (laughs) You look ridiculous. I feel ridiculous. And the best part is we're actually recording this. That's why I did it. So I put on my virtual reality goggles and uh, I look like an asshole. (laughs) So (laughs) I just wanted to do that for shits and giggles. And that may or may not make its way onto our Instagram. Oh, I think it should. It may or may not. But... When you first heard about Ready Player One, where were you? When did it happen? I I didn't know about the book. Um, actually, the first time I heard it was probably around March 2015. Okay, so fairly new. Yeah, uh, a couple years ago when it was announced that Steven Spielberg would direct a movie based on the novel Ready Player One. Oh. Um. So you just jumped right into it. I had. <laughs> You're like, oh, I love Steven. And uh, Ready Player One sounds like a video game movie that Jim and I can talk about on the podcast. I, di- I didn't really know much about it because they were like, oh, his next movie is going to be Ready Player One. I'm like, okay, I have no idea what that is. Yeah. And so I looked into it a tad at the time, and it was like, it's about virtual reality, and it's, 
based on a novel, and I'm like, oh, I've never heard of it. Yeah, and you're not a reader. I'm not. And I'm we not. will talk about reading in a, in a bit. The first time I think we'll ever talk about reading on the <laughs> podcast. Um, I knew about the book. I think probably Did around— Did you read it when it came out? No, um, I just finished it. Oh. Yeah, I read it this year um, because so many things happened, and I was in college when it, I think— No, I had already come out of college, but I was working full-time. I wasn't really reading. So and if I was reading, it was like Game of Thrones, and they're 1,000-page books. Yeah. So I skipped the 600-page Ready Player One. The thought of it kind of intrigued me where, you know, the story set in dystopian mm -hmm. 2044. And we talk about dystopian yeah. a lot. Well, because that's pretty much everything that when you, when you encapsulate the, the future, mm -hmm. it's either bright and shiny or dystopian. But Ready Player One, taking place in this dystopian 2044, follows protagonist Wade Watts on his search for an Easter egg in a worldwide virtual reality game, the discovery of which will lead him to inherit the game creator's fortune. Very, very cool. Yeah. And in the book, which is fresh in my mind, so I'm going to do my best to not spoil it for you and for our listeners because I, I want to separate the book from the, the movie because, as we know, screenwriters and directors take liberties yeah. inside the movie as opposed to what's happening page by page in the book. So... The concept is fantastic. Immediately brings me in because we're in a world of virtual reality. Oh, where, virtual and, reality is huge. And I love Easter egg hunts. I like I, when I was a kid. Like I killed Easter egg hunts. Like I'd knock my cousins over and I'd, I'd get all the Easter eggs. I mean, in our pop culture, especially with superhero movies, there's Easter eggs everywhere. They used to call me Jimmy Easter Egg Boy Delulo. Like that's how it was. <laughs> they still the call in me the that. streets of Berlin. Yeah, but for other reasons, that's why they call me <laughs> Easter Egg Boy. But the concept is amazing. So, what do you think of the concept? Um, I really like the idea because it, like, it, again, like I said, like, virtual reality is everywhere. Yeah. And it's it's huge. It's really taken off. You can get a girlfriend in virtual reality now. Like, you don't have to leave your house. Yeah. All you have to do is eat and shit. And sometimes you don't even have to get up for that. And like I just said with the dystopian stories, they're very popular. Yeah. You know, you had uh, Hunger Games. And we just did a few episodes ago, about what, two months ago, we did Maze Runner. Uh, Death Maze Runner. And this is another dystopian. But it's a lot different. Yeah, because you look at it from a perspective of the dystopianness, if that's a word, is in the stacks. Which, first of all, first and foremost, I love the creation of the stacks and the fact that it wasn't like a, a virus that made the future dystopian. It was a fact that there were rolling blackouts, the lack of fossil fuels. Like mm -hmm. that played a huge part, which could eventually happen. It's believable. Yeah, it's absolutely believable. So there's a lot of science that goes into it, but the main like meat in this movie and in the book is in virtual reality. Yeah, you know, it's not in Cleveland or Oklahoma City where Wade, whichever one you're watching, because in the movie he's. Uh, from Cleveland, or he's from Ohio, and from the book, he's in Oklahoma City. Okay. So the fact that the dystopian future isn't people living in caves or dilapidated buildings. No, They're living on trailers, on top of trailers, on top of trailers, on top of trailers, and so on. Yeah. I like that. I wrote down that I call this geek nirvana. Okay. For people who, who lived through the 90s and the 80s. Um, and Ernest Klein, I mean, he's crafted a book that every aspiring writer wants to put out a book that stays true to himself is uber successful gets made into a movie and has everything that he likes in it like if i'm an aspiring writer i write a lot of fan fiction charlie day and burn gorman fan fiction from pacific <laughs> Rim. but 
I would love to write a book that encapsulated everything that I loved and was just thrown in there. Because the book, like, there's, I told you la- uh, a couple episodes ago, last episode, like, Benice, uh, Guillermo del Toro's name is put into it. Mm-hmm. Spielberg is name dropped in the book. Um, Tolkien, everybody's in there. Star Wars, DC Comics, Marvel Comics, everything. Like, that's my shit. That's your shit. That's yeah. our shit. That's our listener's shit. Like, that's stuff that we and would... he did it in a way of... Virtual reality was an easy way to get all that into it. Yeah, and this was like, he wrote it into, it came out in 2011. So I'm thinking he wrote it in 2009. Early 2000s. Like, it, it may have, t- like, this is a, they call it like the pop culture handbook, right? It's like the geek handbook. That had to take years of formulating, getting and the right stuff. to kind of He's, predict how. That's where I was going. It's very Simpson like, mm-hmm. you know, how I just put on a VR mask that is pretty similar to the oasis mask yes so i don't know if it was the brand that i just put on i'm not plugging them because they're not paying me or if the oasis like um influenced each other but you know ernest klein's kind of just made this stand by me meets the goonies meets a dash of indiana jones movie book you know it's amazing and i wrote a lot about the concept um just the fact that you you have the caste society within it, because you have the IOI, which is the, the bad guy, your big bad corporation. And you have the Gunters, which I use the word gunt for something completely different than <laughs> Easter egg hunters. Uh, and then you, you throw in the fact that you can be whoever you want, whatever you want. If you're a girl, you can be a guy. If you're a guy, you can be an orc. You know, you can be whatever you want yeah. for free. Like, he's created a world, and this might be a little spoiler to you. but well, That's actually a good question, because I was asking Okay. So they live in this dystopian universe. Yes. Where pretty poorly. Yeah. And I was Not one, everybody's poor. Not That's everybody. Not everybody's poor. And I was wondering about virtual reality, the technology. Yeah. How how do, how can they afford that? But so if you're telling me they do explain that. Yeah, so in the book, uh James Donovan Halliday, aka Anna Rock, we'll meet him in a little bit. He is the creator along with uh Ogden Morrow. They create like it's imagine Imagine Bill Gates and Steve Jobs yep. making their own company and staying friends. They made the the internet, which is the oasis. They made this place where it's free to every single person. You want it's like a free app, but there's add-ons if you want. Like if you want a cool avatar as opposed to just the generic avatar, you can pay extra. If you want to buy a car, if you want to buy tokens to travel from this Earth to Earth fifty six, you have to pay tokens. Okay, um, but the other cool thing about it that is in the book, and I hope they talk about it in the movie, and this is the last bit of, it's not a big spoiler, but it's a detail that I love. You can go to school in the Oasis. Like, they have a planet just for schools. Oh. So Wade, who's a poor boy, isn't learning in his public school. It's overcrowded. It's like our public schools now. You know, it's not a safe place to be in. Instead of going to a charter school because he can't afford it, he gets a scholarship to go to the Oasis school. And he's just Wade 3 there. Like his avatar is in there. It's just him. So I, I think that that's really cool because it it really gave – it took away the caste system and said, okay, you can go to the same school as somebody who isn't living in a trailer on top of 74 trailers. They're driving a Bentley. And they don't have to worry about these rolling blackouts or the lack of fossil fuels because they still have it. So I think that Ernest Klein really just made it believable, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also made it that – even in this dystopian future, there are still good people like James Halliday and Ogden Morrow. Yeah. So 
um, it's a shame that you know the whole story centers around James Halliday's death because that's how he's the creator. And what I really like about the concept is it reminds me of Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Yeah, and they Willy Wonka. and they absolutely used the three three different covers of that song. Yeah, I love that song. And did you know? Here's a little Easter egg of our own. Oh yeah, I told you this was a hunt. Steven Spielberg. Yes. Try to get Gene Wilder. Yes, I was gonna. I was to gonna play talk Holiday about before Gene Wilder died. Yeah, and uh, Gene Wilder said uh, no, no thank you. <laughs> he graciously denied the request. Maybe he knew he was gonna die. Um, and Gene Wilder, man, he would have been great as Holiday. Yeah. But I feel like they would have tried to touch a little more on like him being more Willy, Willy Wonka, Wonka as yeah. opposed to. Bill, uh, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, so imagine a world where this whole premise mm-hmm. comes to life. You know, there's no more, you don't have to go to public school, you can go to cyber school, you can go to VR school. And then someone dies and create, the creator of this dies and says, Chuck Miller, Jim DeLulo, we're opening the oasis to you. You find these three keys and open these three gates and you win my fortune. Would you do it? Is this something you'd participate? Long story short, is this something you would participate in real life if it were real? It would be awesome. So that's a yes. I couldn't do it. Because you can't wear a VR mask. Yeah. Well, shit. I'm doing this by myself, buddy. I, I cannot do first person for very long. It's, I don't think, it's just like life, man. You put the VR on and you're just you. You're just walking like. You live first if person. It, if it's really... You live first person, I know, though. but like when you do like Call of Duty. Yeah, it's not Call of Duty. It's you're taking yourself... It's very... Think that Black Mirror episode where they took consciousness and made a kind of a replica yeah. of you. You have an avatar that you control if, if, as if it, you. If I could do that and not feel like shit, yeah. I'm on board. It's not Pokemon Go where you're looking down the whole time and you're like, oh, where am I? Like you're fully conscious of what's going on. And you're controlling, you're fluid. Like you're controlling yeah. your movements, you're you're conscious in this. It's not like get to the chopper and you're holding the gun. And you got to whip to the right <laughs> because there's someone coming that way. Like it's it's it, it, if it if it's not motion sickness, I'm a wow boy. man. I thought I, I thought we had a team going. I thought at Team Active Geek was gonna find Anorok's treasure, and uh, you just mashed that up. So here's a the sidebar to it. Then I would do it, obviously. Um, I don't care about first part. I'll throw up in the Oasis. I don't care. Um, if I have a chance to win half a trillion dollars, I'm doing it. You can feed me the movie quotes and the stuff that I may not know to get into it. Like you can quote Clifton Collins Jr. lines uh, from Pacific Rim that I may, that I may need. So we, we'd make a good team. I would absolutely do it. In fact, uh, when, they, when they were writing the book, Ernest Klein actually had an Easter egg hunt in the book. And the results, get this, Chuck. Resulted in Craig Queen in 2012 winning a DeLorean. Oh, really? After setting a new world record for Joust. Remember the Atari game Joust? Yeah. You better remember it because it's in this movie. And it's very, very important in this movie. So I would absolutely do it. Now we're going to move into books. Your favorite topic. I feel like you're the only book you've ever read front and back is the Holy Bible. No. <laughs> so. No, the Quran. The Quran, yeah. Uh, so. If you had the time, because I know time is big for you, it's big for me, we can't even stay consistent on a recording day. Would you read the book if you had the time? Yes. I actually wanted to read it. Yeah. But I didn't have enough time. Yes. 
So I was going to download the um, audiobook. Yeah. But I wasn't paying $30. Narrated by Will Wheaton. Yes. Who also is in the book. Has a brief cameo in the book. You told me about this last week, about how you were going to read the book and you were going to listen to it. And I absolutely forgot that if you signed up for a 30 day Audible account, you get one book free. All right. And it would have been this one. So we can postpone the schedule now. I'll go listen to it for next day and then we'll come back. No, not going to happen <laughs> uh, because I've already read the book and it's fresh in my mind and I want to talk about it. I've been excited for this podcast episode when we got the release date for for this because initially it was 2017 in December. Yeah. And it was going to battle Star Wars. And they decided that's not the best idea. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to battle? Tomb Raider. We're going to battle Pacific Rim and we're going to do it before Avengers. This might be the first movie to knock out Black Panther. Well, I don't know if Pacific Rim is going to be one of our followers. Movie Files believes that Pacific Rim is going to take the the number one spot this week. I don't know. I don't know either. I kind of thought Tomb Raider might. I thought Ring on Time was going to do it. Yeah, it's Disney and it's Oprah, and it and it's bombed. It's like a 30 percent. So I had no interest. There's not one person besides Chris Pine that I wanted to see in that movie. I actually wanted to see that movie. Yikes! Yikes! Uh, I, I kind of want to see it now because you want to see it, number one. Uh, and number two, the director's going to be doing New Gods. Yes. So I want to see what... Um, kind of style she Ava, has. Ava, what she's... Yeah, I want to see her her shooting style. Because the only movie that I know she's ever done was Thelma. Yeah. Was the Martin Luther King movie. Selma. Selma. Not Thelma and Louise. Selma. Selma, I Alabama. Selma. I always get Selma, Alabama and Selma, North Carolina confused. Like I'm dri- when I'm driving to Florida, I drive through Selma and I'm like... Shit, this is where David Aloya played Martin Luther King. And Chelsea's like, no, that's Alabama. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> it's okay. So would you have done the Joust tournament to win the DeLorean? I would try. I haven't played Joust. I had an avatar. Or avatar. I had well, an- you start? You start bringing James Cameron in. <laughs> we'll, that'll be an episode coming up. We're not doing an avatar episode ever. Yeah. Well, I am. Yeah, by yourself. On your own podcast. <laughs> um. We, uh, I had an Atari when I was a kid. Yeah. And I know I played Joust. It's been probably about yeah. 30 years. I used to play my brother in Joust. And then we would Joust in real life and with brooms and roller skates. Didn't last well. He was much bigger than I am. For me with the book, the reason that brought me in is the book goes so much deeper into the geek world with the references. And besides the attention to detail on the quest and... Each world they've kind of headed into the oasis. They've really created something that I wish I could be part of. You know, they do Pretty in Pink references. Then they're doing Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. and then they're doing Marty McFly and Back to the Future, which you're aptly wearing the yes, Back I to the Future shirt. I read this book quicker than I've ever read a book because it was so inca- It was like so engaging. Well, you're used to reading comics game of thrones that are a thousand pages this was 385 pages and well not the one i got i got the the fat little book one so it was like 600 pages okay so my my justification was well i i read four comics a night sometimes that's almost 120 pages so you can knock that out in a week dude i was reading 100 pages like an hour i was just going through i was in florida just before we get out to go anywhere i'm just skimming through finishing it good i love it i love it it's. It had me weeping, at some parts. You weep a lot. Not like I. Not like, oh god, it, it's so emotional, but like the reveals. I'm like, oh, I didn't even see that coming, 
and we're going to see those some of those in the in the movie which is fantastic so where do you stand and this is a mashup movie in my mind they're mashing a lot of things Cole. yeah where do you stand on mashup movies and mixing properties is it something that you're on board with because i'm gonna hit you with a couple and you tell me where we're at so we got who framed roger rabbit wreck it ralph scary movie disaster movie an epic movie okay they're all two mashup of them movies. are good so disaster movie and epic now, movie so where are you with this word like if they're done well and i feel the who framed roger Rabbit. perfect and wreck it ralph it's really good we're done perfectly to be fair the very first scary movie was actually done very well the very first one even the second one the ones where the wayans are attached to it yeah and then when charlie good. sheen got involved and carmen Electra and drake bell yeah, yeah. Just fuck those movies but those mashup movies are good i don't know about mashup movies today like they were 80s 90s early 2000s well, see, that's the problem when and i say this a lot whenever you have a good story behind it yeah and not saying just throw a clusterfuck of stuff in there like oh hey here, here you go. That's what my next book's going to be called. Clusterfuck. Clusterfuck of Stuff by James Lula. But that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit had all your classic cartoons. Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse, Betty Boop. And the sexy Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. Well, she was a, a, a new character. Yeah, doesn't matter. I'm glad she was in it. But they took all these characters and meshed them well. But there was a story behind it. Yeah. It was Toontown and there was a murder mystery. And that was great. Yeah. And same thing with Wreck-It Ralph. They have all these different video game properties mixed together in kind of a culture. It was great. Yeah. But that's where the story was good. You just can't take this here and that here and throw it together and hope it sticks. Yeah. As anything, if it's done well, I'm fine with it. Okay, so what you're saying is it has to be a good story. Yes. To encap- to bring you in. It has to make you. sense. Yeah. It has to make sense. Like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, after you watch it, it made sense. Even when you're watching it, it makes sense. Yeah. But, like, going into it, you're like, how does Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and Daffy and Betty Boop and all these... Donald. Can't forget about Donald Duck. But how all these characters, how are they going to coexist? Yeah. And there's a reason behind it. They were tuned down. Yeah. And the story is important. And the, the premise and the story for the movie of Ready Player One is a little different than... The book of Ready Player One. So, in the year 2045, the real world is a harsh place. The only time Wade Watts, played by Ty Sheridan, truly feels alive is when he escapes into the Oasis, an immersive virtual universe where most of humanity spends their days. In the Oasis, you can go anywhere, do anything, be anyone. The only limits are your own imagination. The Oasis was created by the brilliant and eccentric James Halliday, who left his immense fortune and total control to the Oasis of the Oasis to the winner of a three-part contest he designed to find a worthy heir. When Wade conquers the first challenge of the reality-bending treasure hunt, and his, uh, he and his friends, a.k.a. the High Five, are hurled into a fantastical... Didn't think that was a word. Fantastical, but this is... It at, is now. As per IMDb. Fantastical universe of discovery and danger to save the Oasis. So... It's not just a treasure hunt. No. Like, you are saving this wonderful creation. So, tell me what you think about the premise of this in regards to the mashup movie. Is this a, just with this premise alone, you don't see the trailer, you don't read the book, 
is that enough to give you a mashup? It it or, sounds cool. Or is it leaving something out? It's definitely leaving something out. Like if it said, the Oasis t- is home to 80s and 90s pop geek culture references. And it, they have to navigate these geek culture references to save the Oasis. Are you in? It definitely puts a different spin and a different take on it. Absolutely. Because if you're thinking about it, you're like, a video game universe. Okay, what what does that mean? Yeah. I could mean anything. But when you go pop culture references, you're going to think the DeLorean. You're going to think Indiana Jones. You're going to think Kong. Star Wars, King yep. Kong. You're going to think all that. So when you're thinking of just, you know, a video game universe, it, what do you think? Uh, World of Warcraft. Yeah. Ooh. You know what I mean? Now you think Call of Duty, where, yeah. you're, where you're in the corner thrown up in your VR headphone yeah. or headset. The thing with, with me about the, the premise of this is they have to word it right. They, they could say this is a geek movie, and then people are going to be like, oh, it's a superhero movie again. It's superheroes, it's fantasy, it's space, it's all that fun stuff. It's not for me. But if they say pop culture, and you're seeing the trailers, and you, music. Yeah, you see Iron Giant, yeah. and they release these posters, and it's Breakfast Club, and they're bringing everybody into this. Like, No 80s and 90s movie, and some 2000s stuff in the trailer at least, goes unturned. Like it, yeah. everything's kind of represented, and I think that's perfect. You can you can be a gamer, and this is for you. You could be a Pretty in Pink fan, and this is for you. You can be a Blade Runner fan, and this is for you. You can be a Marvel fan, and this is for you. So they announced in 2015 when you remember hearing about um, I was about to say Blade Runner, Ready Player One. What did you think it was going to turn into? Like what 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 did you think about about this pop culture handbook being turned into a movie? I didn't really know anything about it. So I was like, yeah, okay, another Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, so you know it's going to win a lot of, get a lot of money. Nah. Like The Post. <laughs> Not all of his movies. Like, BFG I thought was going to be really good, and eh, it was yeah. so-so. Well, I mean, that was his take at a Disney movie. Yeah, it was his first Disney movie. Yeah, and that shouldn't be your first Disney movie. I feel like, give him a bigger property. Let like let John Favreau have BFG, where he can craft this story. Don't confine Steven Spielberg into BFG. I mean... Sorcerer in a Stone. His Steve. next Disney movie. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is filming next May. Yeah. So... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. If ha- Harrison needs to stop flying for, <laughs> for a year so we can get uh, some footage. Um, I, I thought it was cool. Uh, when I said the pop culture stuff, I didn't really realize how immersive it would be into until I seen the trailers. Yeah. Trailers are impressive. Yeah. And we're going to talk about them, but... I knew the book. So I, I knew the book. I was so stoked for this movie because I was like, oh, my God, the book has all this stuff in it. The Iron Giant, King Kong, you know, all all my favorite things, all the things that made me want to start a podcast. You know what I mean? This is my podcast life in a book. Yeah. So I was like, this is going to be fantastic. However, I was leery, and I, I'm usually not the leery one. You are. Yeah. I was leery that I was going to be oversaturated with current geek culture, like superheroes and you know, like Halo. You thought they were just going to change it into the 80s, 90s reference? From 80s, 90s references to, to current stuff. Like, yeah. I don't want Yo Gabba Gabba. I don't want Blue's Clues. I don't want My Little Ponies. I don't want that stuff. I want the stuff that the book was, what it was designed to convey, what yeah. message it was designed to convey. So I was on board. But then I was like, who's going to direct it? Yeah. Because early in the process, it was rumored that Christopher Nolan... Yeah, Robert Zemeckis, Matthew Vaughn, Peter Jackson, and Edgar Wright were all considered for 
the role of uh, the director, Ready Player One. But later, it was revealed that Steven Spielberg was going to actually uh, get the get the movie. I'd actually be on board with every one of those directors. I take one away. I can't see Christopher Nolan doing this movie. Yeah. I can't. Like I can't. Just, I can't. It would have been Inception. It would have been so trippy. I wouldn't understand it. You know what I mean? So. All the other ones, I would sign up for a Ready Player One movie by them. The Mechas would have been good. Edgar Wright would have been amazing. Yeah. Um, Matthew Vaughn would have killed it too. He's a geek. Peter Jackson. I mean, we would have got a lot of Hobbits and Orcs. Yeah. But he's good with those. Like yeah. he's proved that he's good with Hobbits and Orcs. Not so much Percy Jackson. Yeah. So I don't think we'd get a lot of Percy Jackson in there. But yeah, he didn't. No, he didn't do Peter Percy Jackson. No. Well, that reference sucked. But I would sign up for for all of them minus Christopher Nolan. So it's announced that it's coming out. It's announced that Steven Spielberg is going to take over the license. Did it increase, decrease, or keep your interest for this movie the same? Probably about the same because I didn't know a lot of the property at okay. the time. So I was like, okay, I like Steven Spielberg movies. Okay, maybe we'll give it a shot. I think I was on the same page. Um, I knew Spielberg's kind of hit or miss for me. And I know it's kind of like sacrilegious because he's put out tons of well, great movies. Not, not that... In the past 10, 15 years, he's been doing a lot of, like... Tom Hanks movies. Not Tom Hanks movies, but more adult movies. Bridge of Spies, Tom Hanks. The Post, Tom Hanks. Abraham Lincoln. Well, it was just called Lincoln. Lincoln. Don't don't get it confused with The Vampire Hunter. But Lincoln... Also a great movie. Yeah, I love that movie, I thought, I thought Spielberg should have directed that. But, you know what I mean? Like, he hasn't done of these huge pop culture movies it's crazy that he goes like his last few movies were like lincoln war horse the bfg a disney movie in like in between that sandwich and then like bridge of spies the post yeah like it's like we're gonna do wartime movies we're gonna do disney animated movie then we're gonna do tom cruise movies so it's 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 crazy that like yeah tom hanks got if he was doing tom cruise movies i'd be all out so you stayed the same. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I, I stayed the same. Um, like I said, he's kind of hit or miss with me. I think it's more later. He's more miss with the the later I, stuff yeah. that he's been putting out uh, because it just doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I had no interest to see the post. I could read uh, a Wikipedia page and save myself two hours about the post. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he has put out killer movies. Yeah. Like he oh. he's one of the all time greats. As oh, yeah. as much as I say he he's hit or miss with me. He's He'll go down in the pantheon of great directors. So much that Ernest Klein put ton of references in his movie yeah. or in his book about Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to post the the exact um, clip. I took a picture of the page. And Spielberg said he took a lot of those references out. Yeah, because he didn't want it the movie be about him. Well, I think he. It wasn't just him. That's pretty. I know, but pretty selfish of saying. No, but you know what I mean. Like he felt like. It would be boasting himself if he's like yeah, but referencing he, himself. Yeah, but I hope they reference Guillermo del Toro. I hope Abe Sapien's running around in this movie. That'd I haven't seen awesome. him yet. If Hellboy's in it, that'd be fantastic. So I stayed the same, but his movies are great. What are your top five Steven Spielberg movies? Right. I think we might have no. the same five. Nope. Not in the same order, though. All right. No. All right. Number one, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Well, we're one for one. Not in the same order. Number two. Okay. Jurassic Park. Two for two. We're not having five. All I'm right. telling you. Three. Hook. Three for three. You're not gonna have my fifth. All right. Four. E. T. Ah, see, I didn't make E. T. Didn't make my list. Okay. What's your five? Five. 
Minority Report. Oh, okay. All right. I forgot he did Minority Report. Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. Oh, that's good, good pull on you, Chuck. I love all those movies. All right, so number five is Minority Report. Isn't it, like you went in order? Yep. All right, so I got Jurassic Park number one because I love dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, I did Hook number two because I love Dustin Hoffman as Hook. Um, then I did Jaws. Okay. You know, this, is, this is this big movie. Yeah. And I love this Jaws. This first big movie. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was number four, and Saving Private Ryan number uh, number five. It's the only war movie I'll watch. It's crazy. <laughs> you hate it's, war yeah, movies. Yeah, because it's so real. It's too real for me. Um, but they're the only ones that I, uh, I'll i watch. But I'm, I'm glad we, we almost had. Yeah, I, kn- like, I knew you were going to have Run Out of the Report. I didn't, think, I didn't think you were going to have Hook on there. That's what I was like. I love Hook. Yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Yeah. It's a fantastic movie. So so good that Dante Bosco, who was a guest at BurrowCon last year, that we remember our relationship yeah. with BurrowCon, he's trying to put out a Rufio origin story. And I'm 100% on board for a Rufio and Lost Boy story. YouTube will grab him up because they did with Cobra Kai. Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> they did grab Cobra Kai. Uh, not needed. <laughs> like trying to make him the hero, make Bobby the hero. I was talking about that at work today, and the guy goes, "Really?" I was like, "Yeah, it's a YouTube." Jo- oh, okay. Yeah, like, it's exactly. Like, oh. It's a YouTube show. All right, so let's go into the cast. So there's uh, some familiar faces, and there's mm-hmm. some not so familiar faces. You got Ty Sheridan, who is the new Cyclops in the X Men yeah. franchise. He plays uh, Parzival or Wade, um, and he was actually the fourth person kind of considered because they wanted Nick Robinson, and I'm glad they didn't add Nick Robinson because he is literally in everything now. I thought he was in that new Bella Thorne movie, Midnight Sun. Yeah. Uh, 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yeah, and it's her and Patrick Schwarzenegger. Is that Patrick Schwarzenegger? Yes, that's Patrick Schwarzenegger. Um, Two people I could care less about, so I'm glad. And I like Nick Robinson, but I'm glad he's not in this. Uh, Nat Wolf, so glad he's not in this after watching Death Wish. Or Death Note. And then Dalton Vaughn, who I have no idea who he is. Did you hear the big uproar about that? Yeah, because they asked for an unknown. Yeah. And they got a guy who's playing an X-Men. Yeah. You got a guy playing Cyclops. There was, there was such an uproar. Like, some people were like, oh, okay, whatever. I'm pretty sure I sent in an audition tape And for there were some people that were, like, so pissed off. Like, how, how dare could you do that? How dare, you know, you get people's hopes up and yeah. all this. And Well, that's Hollywood. You and I... Um, it, it's fair to say that we didn't get the extra roles in Creed. Yeah. Because we auditioned for him. We sent a picture in. I, I'm not auditioned. We, <laughs> we sent, sent a, in, an email. <laughs> we <laughs> sent an email. We didn't We didn't go in. I what, mean... Was it weird that they asked for a picture of your penis? They didn't ask for one for me. Okay, I might have sent it to the wrong site. Because <laughs> uh, they asked for one of my penis. Very, very weird. But So they, they dropped this line out there and say, we want an unknown yeah. for, for Wade Parsville. And... A day later, they cast Ty Sheridan. Oh, yeah. It was like, it was like, it's like making popcorn in the microwave. You're like, all right, it's going to happen. And then it's like, it happens. Like, it, you know what you're getting in that popcorn bag. It's popcorn kernels and some disappointment because <laughs> some of those kernels aren't popped right. They cast it a well-known actor. No, I guess not well-known, but he's an X-Men. Yeah. Playing Cyclops. It's crazy. Joining our boy Ty Sheridan is Olivia Cook from Bates Motel, and she's playing Artemis. She also beat out Elle Fanning. Yeah, and uh, Lola Kirk from Gone Girl. I think she played Gabby from Gone Girl. I don't know. Uh, we got our boy Ben Mendelsohn from uh, Star Wars Rogue One uh, from uh, Captain Marvel. He's going to yeah. be in Captain Marvel. And he is playing the villain, uh, Sorrento. Did you see who was considered for this? No. Michael Keaton. Yes, I did see that. That would have been awesome. No, no. Michael Keaton was for Amaro. Amaro? No, Mar, uh, not Mar. Um, 
I'm not. I'm not thinking Mar. I'm thinking Halliday. No, I, I read that it was, uh, I it was Sorrento. Halliday. I thought it was. Halliday. Yeah, because you can't just grab a name like, you know, um, from Michael Keaton and make him a dead guy. You know what I mean? So I think it was Sorrento. But either way, having him in the running was fantastic. Then you got Lena Waithe, uh, who I've never heard of. No. But she's the writer of the show called The Shy, and she plays H. And H, if you're playing along at home, is like the the orc-like figure yeah. on all the posters. So H is a, a very important character into this. Uh, is it? It's Parzival's best friend. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Then you have our boy, T.J. Miller, yeah. playing Irock. I didn't see him in any of the footage. No, because Irock's not a huge character in the storyline, but into the inner we like the story within the story. Irock plays a, a significant role, but he's not someone that you're like, "Oh, I love Irock. I love T.J. Miller," and I think they just got him because he's wild. Yeah. It's going to be like the mucus from Mucinex walking around. That's <laughs> Irock. Uh, then we got our other boy, Simon Pegg, who's playing Ogden Murrow. Yeah, don't expect a lot of Simon Pegg, is what I'm going to say. Although they may add a lot of them. Then we have Sir Mark Rylis, Rylance? Yeah. Um, from Dunkirk, BFG, Bridge of Spies. Steven Spielberg's boy. He he has been. Well, he's, first of all, he's a fantastic actor. He, he's great. Um, and he's a knight. Is he? Yeah, if you can get a knight in your movie, minus Elton John and Charles Barkley, you're good to go. Ringo Starr just got knighted. I don't care about the Beatles. Um, so you have, you have him playing Anna Rock, a.k.a. James Halliday. Do you see his look? He looks phenomenal. Well, that's... I Not mean, Anna Rocks, but... Jane Halliday? Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. It's ex- exactly what I imagined. And then you have some newcomers. You have um, Philip Zhao and Wynn Mosaki, and they are playing Sho and Diato. They are uh, part of the High Five. And then you have uh, Hannah John Common. We've talked about her. This is the mm-hmm. second movie of 2017 that we'll see her in, the third one being uh, Aunt Anna Wasp. And she she's playing a strictly made-for-the-movie character... Yeah. Uh, named uh, Nafte Zandor, uh, not in the book. So I'm, she, I'm, she's a villain. She's a bad guy. She looks like a henchman for um, Ben Mendelsohn's yeah. character. I keep seeing her, and I keep forgetting how attractive she is. She's a very beautiful woman, Hannah John Common. So I'm a fan. I miss the old movies that she's in. Uh, don't expect her a lot in Tomb Raider. Really? Sorry, she's. I like Alicia. It's Vikander. not giving anything away. Listen, I take Alicia Vikander over her any day. So it's not giving anything away. She's in about about two minutes. That's enough. It's two minutes of eye candy. I'm great. <laughs> All right. So, what do you think about the cast? I like it. You got your unknowns. You got a lot of your the younger actors are, are fairly your, new. They're your unknowns. Yeah. No, I, I think if you were to show a picture of some of Ty Sheridan and somebody, they have no idea who that is. Yeah. And, and then and Olivia Olivia Cook. I have no idea who she is. There's 17,000 Olivia's. Did you ever see Ouija? No. She was in that. Is she the woman? Uh, is, she the, is she the girl with the the air yes. tube? That's how I know. Okay, from Base, base Motel. Motel? Yeah. yeah. She's okay. the one that has the breathing. Okay. She's got the oxygen tube? Yep. Okay, so you you have a... It's kind of balanced. You have your your main stars are kids. Yeah. This is a, Obviously, this is a kid's story. It's about 18-year-old kids in the fictional world. Bad guy is an established actor, a very good actor, and you're surrounding that kid, that newer kid, that unknown, if we will, based on the casting call. You're surrounding him with veterans. T.J. Yeah. Miller's been in a ton of different kind of movies. Mm-hmm. Simon Pegg has 
been in huge franchises mm-hmm. and cult franchises. And Ben Mendelsohn, I mean, and how much Mark more Rylance. can we? Yeah, how much more can we talk about those guys? You know, they're yeah. they're fantastic. So I'm on board. Yeah, they they did a good job with getting quote unquote unknowns. Yeah, and then add your adult characters. Yeah, to these great actors. And Ty Sheridan looks what like what I would imagine Wade looks like. Nick Robinson is a little too. I mean, he's too pretty boy yeah. to be a, a nerd. And I say that as I'm looking in a mirror and saying, <laughs> I'm too pretty to be a nerd. But Ty Sheridan in this movie looks 100% like a nerd. He doesn't look like somebody who plays a superhero. He looks like somebody who plays a lot of video games, a lot of joust. So I'm 100% on board with the castings. So what do you think about all the marketing that's been out, the stills, the posters, the trailers? Like, they went guerrilla marketing on this. Like, yeah. They released like 75 different movie posters, like The Matrix, The Goonies, The Blade, oh, uh, I got Blade a, Runner. I got a list of them. Uh, let's see. Let's start with the trailers. Okay. What do you think about the trailers? They look great. Um, I'll be honest with you. When the mo- movie was announced, I was like, yeah. Yeah. After doing I was research, completely after. I was, I was the opposite. I was like, oh. After. I, I had to put on new pants. <laughs> Well, you, you do that daily. Yeah. Well, yeah, because well, hourly. Because I'm, I'm a normal person who wears clean pants, Chuck. <laughs> um, but you know what? Like, when I first seen heard of it, I was like, okay, whatever. When I first seen the trailer, I was like, okay. But after doing more research and watching every single trailer they had, I'm sold. Yeah, you said you were going hard on this episode in a, in a text message that after your research, you were ready. Yeah. The thing about the trailer. As soon as it opened with Tom Sawyer by Rush, I was in. I was 100% in. Then, like, you started it off, and it was, like, a really kind of creepy Charlie and the Chocolate Factory song. The Pure Imagination. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, That was a good touch, so I was already in there. And I was listening to more – I had my eyes closed when I heard the song because that's one of those songs that you close your eyes and you imagine yourself Mm -hmm. on that gondola in the Chocolate River. And you're like, oh, this was fantastic. (laughs) And then – rush kicks in and my eyes open and all the the sixers are getting in their car and i'm like oh christ this is going to be awesome and then they have uh, van halen in the next trailer and then i'm then i wa- i watch them the first time and i just gauge my general excitement right then i dive right in and i look for the easter eggs because that's what i do i'm a nerd so i found a ton of easter eggs that we'll talk about in a minute but then they start releasing all these pictures they have the picture of wade in his hideout which is a van it's like a volkswagen yeah. van and the it's like our studio with posters all over the wall mm-hmm. it's geek it's art it's our studio in a van in a vw van i love that the thing that got me were the 80s 90s style posters where they photoshopped the characters from the movie into yeah. the poster it's something like you and i would do for promo art for our podcast yeah. what did you think about that i loved it i mean there was a lot of movies that i love all right hit me with a couple um, Beetlejuice. Yes, that was great. Uh, Blade Runner. Yep. Lost Boys. Labyrinth. Rambo. Rambo. That was awesome. Back to the Future. The Matrix. Yeah, that was a good one. Goonies. And then he went bullet with Steve McQueen. Yeah, that was awesome. And Breakfast Club. Yeah. I mean, that's an iconic pose in general. Like when when we finally get the team together for Active Geek Productions, we're gonna do a Breakfast Club picture. Oh please. We have to. And you know. I want to be Molly Ringwald. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> it's fine with me. But the the cool thing about this is the Easter eggs. Like, this is an Easter egg hunt movie. This is a movie I'm going to have to see twice, I feel like. 
I'm going to see it the first time as a movie viewer to follow the story, and then I'm going to see it a second time to follow the Easter eggs. Because I have a list of them. What are some of the Easter eggs that you picked out? Now, I picked out some. I did not... I was going to cheat and then look them up, but I was like, you know what? Oh, I no, I, I didn't do that. I watched trailer by trailer. I did. Okay. But I seen Freddy Krueger. Okay. Um, I seen the Mach 5 from... Um, Speed Racer? Speed Racer. Yes. And I also seen the Gran Torino from Starsky and Hutch. Okay. Did you see that? Yeah. That all you got? I mean, I also seen like the DeLorean. Yeah, man, keep hitting hit me with these things. So DeLorean, yeah, uh, T Rex from Jurassic Park. Yes, the Iron Giant. The Iron who Giant. I read is playing a huge part in this movie, which is great. I, I mean, I've seen those, but I didn't know if they were Easter eggs because they're showing them. The Iron Giant is a underrated franchise, under, well, underrated movie in general. Never seen it. I'll watch it. You'll love it. It's a good one to show the little one. So you got the Iron Giant. What else you got? Um, Did you get the bike from Akira. No. Oh, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Tron. Yeah. I got the battle toads were in there. I did not see that. They're the second trailer. They're storming the, like they're running up towards you. So the battle toads are in there. Duke Nukem. I didn't see that. Chucky. Really? Yeah, you didn't see the second trailer where he, he's saying the characters. He's saying Batman, and you see Batman, and then he says Chucky, and Chucky's in your face. Oh, you have to see that one. Uh, Lara Croft's in it. Uh, Lord of the Rings. You're seeing orcs and some hobbits and Gollum. Tron, Tracer from Overwatch. This is where we kind of like, yeah. Tracer's a brand new character. This is an 80s, 90 movie. I get, you got to bring the kids in. People love Tracer. Overwatch is uber successful. Um, Joker and Harley from Injustice, like where he's in the Killing Joke outfit. So I see that. Uh, Master Chief is in the new trailer where that. all those guys are running down the street and they're being Master Chief. Voltron. Yeah. Anorak is obviously a, uh, a wizard from Dungeons and Dragons. And then I, um, the last one I have is uh, Chun-Li from Street Fighter. She's standing right next to Tracer. So, all of which I love. All of which we could and do... And I'm po- sure there's a lot more. All of which we could do podcasts on and probably uh, kill those movie franchises because a lot of them <laughs> are video games. Fantastic. So, Steven Spielberg gets this pop culture, kind of the first pop culture movie in the last decade for him. Where is this going to hold up with the the new Spiel- the Spielberg movies in general? Now, we have our top five. We could probably do a top twenty, and they all be on the top one hundred successful movies. Where does this does this get become as successful? Because right now it's sitting at seventy nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I did read that when it premiered at South by Southwest, it was a standing ovation. It killed, yeah. Well, did you see like the art and the the everything that they did for that? They went one hundred percent immersive. Like you can you can tap into the Oasis, see all the characters, and then you go into the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, it was awesome. I don't. I think it might crap my. Crap. My crap your pants. <laughs> this movie is going to crap Chuck's pants. Newsflash. Crack my top five. Okay. I think it might knock out Minority Report. I think this might go, if it's as good as I think, it might beat Jaws. I, d- I don't think it's going to beat anything else I have because, you know, Hook, E.T., they're a classic. Yeah. And this might be a modern classic. It might be. Boop, boop. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. I'm looking so forward to seeing it. I think he's going to kill it. I think it's going to be better than his late- latest stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think it's going to, like, I, visually I think it's going to be amazing because it looks amazing. It's a movie that I see doing big numbers maybe week one and week two and then people forget about it. And they're leery about it. And that's why people aren't going to see it. And then when it comes out on DVD, it kills. Kind of like what Justice League just did. Um, didn't do well in the movies, but it's number one on the DVD sales. 
Uh, so I feel like that's where we're going to go into. And I think most people don't care that Steven Spielberg's directing this. And I may be wrong but saying that, but um, millennials don't know. I who- think a lot of they no, because people that are in their 20s. They don't know Steven. They don't know him from E.T. Dude, I don't think Hulk. they know him. Well, you know, a 20-year-old is not going to go see Lincoln. Or War or Wars. Post. Yeah, they might see BFG. High. But I don't, you know, I don't think millennials know Steven Spielberg. Unless no. they're, and I don't want to group everybody in millennials because I'm a millennial, which is stupid. Um, but I'm a movie watcher. I'm in a movies-only society. We have a movie-based podcast. I know Spielberg because I appreciate movies. And I know there's a big group of people who appreciate movies that are in our age bracket. So I just think, like, the younger kids, like, like your, your child and Tom's children, and I don't think they know Spielberg. No. Or, and I don't think that they care about you know Spielberg. What? I can't say anything. The little one does. She knows Steven Spielberg? She know, she loves E.T. But does she know Steven Spielberg? She don't know the directors. Okay. So I, I, you can't say, you can't say like, I, do you want to go see the new Steven Spielberg movie? Because she'll be like, who's that? But I, I do tell her. like I try to say, like this is the guy that did this. This is yeah. the guy that did this. Yeah, and you can keep saying, like, he did Hulk, Hook. Uh, yeah. Not about to say Hulk. He, if he would have done Hulk, it would have been better than what Ang Lee did. Um, Hook and Jaws and all the top fives that we did. She's seen all those movies. So you think this is going to crack your top five? Definitely. Likewise. It's cracking your top three? Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know. Because Hook's amazing. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is amazing. Oh, I, I don't know if it cracks my top five or my top three. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think I think it beats Jaws. It, yeah, it, then if it beats Jaws, then it's top three because Raiders of the Lost Ark was four. Okay. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm gonna say this might just because I read the book. I'm more attached to it now that I read the book. I, I didn't read Jaws, and I saw Jaws when I was like seven years old, and it scared the fuck out of me. So it wasn't like. And you were really crappy. And I and I I used to go to the beach a lot. I was a swimmer back then, so I was now petrified. But that's why you don't swim now. Yeah, I don't go in the water at all. Jaws, man. You don't even shower. I do shower. That's why I wear clean pants every day. Remember? Go back to it. All right, so we're going to go back to mashups. This is a mashup movie. We talked about it. Is this going to be as successful and become like the next Roger Rabbit leading into more mashup movies? Because personally, I don't think it is because I don't think anything can compete with Roger Rabbit because it was the first of its kind. I think just because it's a mashup movie, you can't compare it. Yeah, exactly. Because it's completely different. Yep. I mean, that's like... I don't even know a good reference, but it, just because it's too many of the same thing, like cartoons and this yeah. video games and pop culture, can't really mix them together. Yeah. So I don't really think you can compare them. I don't know if it's going to bring more mashup movies on. It probably will. But my, my thought of it, one, it's got to be super expensive to get the rights to all these characters. Yes. Uh, secondly... If you're not a name like Steven Spielberg, it's going to be a lot harder to get these characters mm-hmm. and these names. And thirdly, this is 100%, again, it goes back to cre- uh, original IP that just happens to have things that we love in it. Yeah. You know, it was intellectual property that was centered around growing up. You know, these characters are his friends. They're him. They're mixtures of his enemies. These are things that he he loved growing up watching and doing, playing like Joust and D&D and stuff like that. So this is his life in a movie. So I don't like I I'm going I'm going with you. I don't think comparing it to a Roger Rabbit or a Wreck-It Ralph or a mashup movie in general is fair because it's a new story just mashing properties together. 
don't know. I think it's the the future of what a mashup movie could be, where it's creative enough that you can throw these Easter eggs in there and like if take the Easter eggs out, I'm sure this would still be a killer movie. Yeah. That's that's my thought. So what do you think it opens up with money wise and Rotten Tomatoes obviously is at seventy nine percent right now if you follow Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think it opens up money wise? Because I was stumped on how much money. I'm not good at gauging the market. I don't know. Fifty five million. I see I said thirty. And that seems kind of low. Tomb Raider did twenty four. Okay, I, yeah, just I'm. It's not a hundred hundred million dollar movie in the first week. No, it's not oh, one hundred twenty Thor. Although I would love it to be a hundred dollar movie because this is fantastic, no. and this is kind of leading us into the geek, mm-hmm. some geek spring and summer that we're doing. And it's opening, and I think it's a great time because it's opening up on Easter weekend. Yeah. So it, it opens on Ernest Klein's birthday. Oh, really? How awesome is that? That's awesome. And it, was, it wasn't It was like it was designed. It was moved from December 17th, 2017, or December 23rd, 2017, to March 29th, 2018. And it's his birthday. That's awesome. I think it's his 50th birthday, too. I could, I could be 100% wrong. He might be 40. Sorry. <laughs> but what's great is, is like, it's going to help because it's going to be Easter weekend. Yeah. And... So a lot of people are home. A lot of people are off. Yeah, it's a four to five day weekend. Yeah, and then kids are off all next week. Yeah, the following week. So if parents are home with their kids. What do you do? You go to movies. I think this is going to be a good family movie. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be curse words in it. Obviously, I mean there's curse words in everything minus a PG. I mean it's PG thirteen. Yeah. So if you have kids, take them. Yeah. Take them to go see this movie because it's going to be amazing. And you know what? I really hope like, I really hope people listen to this and don't know this property, and want to see it. Because that's what we try to do on this podcast, dude. I hope I hope people just listen to the podcast because yeah. I mean we're we're trying. Let's go to the future of Ready Player One. Okay. So if you love the movie and you want more Ready Player One universe, Zach Penn has stated that Klein is working on yes. Ready Player Two, and Klein has confirmed it as of December two thousand seventeen. So we're getting a second book. Yeah. Awesome. That's obviously going to go into a movie. But if you can't get enough, Chuck. Check out Lucero. It's a fan fiction story by Andy Weir. You know who Andy Weir is? No. He wrote The Martian. Okay. And it chronicalizes Sorrento's life. It follows him. He's your protagonist. Um, and it is considered canon to the Ready Player One universe. Really? So check out Lucero. Uh, it's probably a terrible pronunciation of that word, but I'm going to say Lucero <laughs> uh, by Andy Weir. And uh, that's, that's our Ready Player One. Yeah. So I t- I'm taking off my goggles. We're getting out of the Oasis. I can see you now. I'm not woozy from the motion sickness. <laughs> We're ready to go. So if you're going to see Ready Player One and you want to tell us about it, you can reach us on all of our social yeah. medias, like the Active Geek, which was mentioned earlier, which is on Instagram, Active Geek underscore on Facebook, or no, Active Geek underscore on Twitter, Active Geek on Facebook, Active Geek Podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and all the other podcast directories. We're there. Mine is Spotify. I'm still waiting for Spotify. So Spotify, get at me. And then you can follow us on Spreaker. Yes. Uh, <laughs> under the Geek Culture Cast Network with Legends of the Panel podcast, Warp Mataras podcast. We can go back and say that Legends is still doing their, their mixed bag episode. Um, we're recording this before Warp put their new episode out, so I can't plug their new episode because I don't know what it is. But make sure you listen to their episode. It releases every weekend. And you can follow Chuck on Instagram at Chuck underscore Active Geek. Follow me on Galaxy Wars Podcast, Adventures of Binks and the Beard, Movies Only Society. Um, and then just continue to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook because that's where we uh, 
we make our living, or at least that's where I spend my my downtime. And uh, last but not least, if you have a, an Apple phone, go to iTunes, give us a yes. rate and a review. It's important. Please. Um, that's apparently what gets us noticed. And if you have a Google phone, go to the Google Play Store and rate and re- uh, review us there. Five stars preferably. Um, if you don't like us, give us a one star. It's still seen, and uh, we can we can fix it. We love criticism, even if it's not constructive. So uh, for the Active Geek podcast, go see Ready Player One. I am Jim. I am Chuck. And we are out.